Welcome to another episode of Everyday Disciples. I'm Pastor Matthew, and I'm so glad you're here today. First up on today's episode, we talk with Pastor Rob about how to read the Bible. It can be a daunting book, but it's also where we hear God's voice. We'll talk about how to approach the Bible and make it a part of your daily walk as a disciple. Then, Pastor Rob, Adam, and I continue our walk through the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' teaching on loving your enemy, something that comes naturally to you know, basically no one, and giving to the needy. There's lots of great stuff ahead, so let's dive in. Welcome back to another segment of Everyday Disciples. I'm sitting here with Pastor Rob today. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about something that I don't remember ever being, growing up in the church, I don't remember ever being instructed on how to read the Bible. We read the Bible a lot. Um, you know, I, grow, I grew up in a Christian school, so it was, you know, religion class was part of the, the day. Um, but I don't ever remember being instructed, like, here's how you read the Bible, how you, like, get something from it or get an application from it. Um, I don't know. Did you did were you ever taught like specifically taught? Here's no, I don't think I, same thing. Nah, it was presumed. I think you knew how to do that. Sure. And I kind of being me maybe uh, felt like oh I I should know this. Why am I not? Why don't I know this? I must be the <laughs> right. the junior achiever right. did, did here. Ever, did I miss that day <laughs> when everybody else learned how to do this, or does it just come natural to everybody and? And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's important to talk about, like, we, we, we talk about the importance of reading the Bible as Christians, as being in the Word. Um, but I think a lot of times for, I know for me, uh, even today, a lot of times where I will open up the Bible and I'll read something and it's like, okay, now what? You know, what do I, what do, I do with what I just read? How do I... Uh, how do I dig into it? How do I understand? Especially when we read something maybe in the Old Testament where it's mm-hmm. it seems really foreign to what we're talking about, or um, you know, it's a story that doesn't quite make sense to me. Uh, so you know, maybe I, I know you've talked about this sort of thing with like uh, confirmation kids or or Bible class type stuff. Um, maybe what's a what's a the the place to start when mm-hmm. you're reading the Bible, what's the first thing you do? Well, I think we did a segment on how to listen to a sermon. So it's mm-hmm. pretty similar, maybe a similar track. Obviously, we're not saying the our sermons are God's word in the inspired sense, but an and inspired word. But uh, to read the Bible, uh, you want to understand it. So the first thing you would maybe want to do. I'd say read it out loud. It would probably be a good mm. thing. So even just by yourself, yeah, yeah, that's probably helpful. I mean, I'm not, I can't say I always do that. What's it saying? What does it mean? And what's it calling me to do now? How do you get to that part? And but I do think you got to give yourself grace sometimes too. That there might be some passages you just don't understand. Sure, and that's okay. I mean, if you there's there's passages that, that we way. as pastors don't always understand, sure. you know, right? Uh, we got to we got to turn to a commentary or somebody a whole lot smarter than me to, you know, figure out. Okay, so what what does this really mean? What's going on b- behind the surface or beneath the surface here? 
um, I know what one of the, one of the things that I you know try to tell folks when when it comes to reading the Bible um, is always kind of look around what you're reading. Sure, you know, mm-hmm. think, think about the context. Um, I know we we uh, did a segment a couple episodes ago on on verses that get pulled out of context a lot of times, and so you know one of the one of the fixes for that is always to look at the context. And so I'll encourage folks sometimes to you know read. Read in chunks, you know, don't necessarily try to read a whole book at one time, but, you know, maybe read a section or a chapter or, or something, something a little more than a verse to, to kind of give you a little bit more of what's going on. What's the, the bigger picture? Mm-hmm. I think of that as there's a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. So sure. there's a little shade of difference in my mind. Okay. Um, and I would especially the newer Christian or somebody who's, even though you could have grown up with it your whole life, you still can miss kind of some of the points. Right. Uh, and even with a children's Bible, just get the storyline first mm-hmm. and just do what you just said. Read a chunk of it and get the idea and get the um, the main things down um, because... There are, you know, the New Testament builds so much off the Old Testament, and we would say one of the rules of interpretation is the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. It tells you what it really meant. Uh, So getting that baseline is very good. And then in terms of studying it, yes, context, what did, ask yourself, what did this mean to the people who first heard it? Sure. Rather than jumping right to... You know, our contemporary situation, um, that's part of the studying part of it. Um, I mentioned Lectio Divina, that, that, that listening. Yeah, yeah. Maybe tell our listeners a little bit more. What, what is that? How would you describe what Lectio Divina yeah, is? Yeah, uh, Lecto means reading and Divina, divine reading. And it would be, I suppose, bordering on the mystical part of it without being too uh, eth- too spiritual, but it's it's asking yourself, well, what is God? T- what's God saying to me in this? So, how do you do that? Yeah, um, you just ask yourself what that is, and so so you you read a passage of scripture, yeah. and then just sort of reflect on it for right. a few minutes, and-, mm-hmm. and yes, in silent reflection, and and just say, what did I notice about this? And I know you and I were at a pastor's meeting and the we were asked to do this and it was a good exercise and but the the leader said don't think about your next sermon don't think about your next bible study just what is god saying to you right now through this and that fe- may feel um uh, what too spiritual or something maybe for some of us <laughs> yeah. but it's actually a good thing right it, it might feel a little uh, for for some people who you know maybe grew up with a little more of like um, a structured time right. in the word cognitive it, it, right and if, if uh, that whole like lectio divina approach feels a little um, a little too loose or or a little too unstructured like mm-hmm. um, I might come come away with something vastly different than somebody else so doesn't that mean that one of us is wrong um, well no not necessarily right because I can do that it, but it can yes. Um, but 
I, I, I appreciate like, you know, when I come back to a text that I haven't read in a little while, um, I, it's, it's, I, I always, I usually end up doing that in my computer cause I like to, you know, jot down my thoughts or my notes and stuff like that and have them, um, kind of in my Bible. And so when I come back on something I haven't read in a long time, and I'll look at like what struck me the last time I read this, I might not have thought of that this time as I was reading it. I, I noticed something much different this time cause I'm not who I was when I read that a year mm-hmm. ago or five years ago or whenever it was that I wrote that note down. Um, you know, there's always something more that we can glean from God's word. And I've actually asked my, tried to train myself, and this would get back into how to listen to a sermon too. Um, and reading the Bible, I mean, obviously it's going to fire off some questions. I don't know what that means. I, I don't get that part, but da da. And you can spend a lot of time doing that. But what is one thing that you, I don't mean like in the sense that you agree with, but what is one thing that you can pull away out of this sure. text? So it might not be, you know, world peace and, you know, change, turn the world upside down, but what's one thing out of this verse, this text that, yeah, I needed to hear that, or I'm appreciative that, that that's in there, that uh, brings encouragement to my spirit and my soul. And then uh, following along with that, what do you? What is God telling you? And then actually doing something about right. it. So making a, a practical application to that. And, and I know one not of the, every verse can do that for you, but that's what you're looking for, right? I know one of the other things that I always try to remember uh, for myself as well as you know try to share with others is when I when I come to a a passage of scripture, um, what I'm taking away. Sometimes it's simply being reminded mm-hmm. of what I already know. It's not that I. It's not that I need something new from this verse, or I need to you know come come up with something that no one else has ever thought of before. Like it's sometimes it's just enough to be reminded of the truth that I already know, and maybe I just need to live that a little stronger, or uh, you know hold on to that truth a little bit more. Um, but that's okay to to not be looking for something novel and new every time we come to a, a passage of scripture. Good. Well, I, th- I think another one that, um, that I always try to instill in folks too, is to look for Jesus. Oh, when, sure. When you're reading in scripture, mm-hmm. um, even in the old Testament, um, now Jesus, you know, not mentioned by name in the old Testament, but th- there's a lot of things that happen in the old Testament that can point to Jesus or that can allude to Jesus or, or reference him in some way. Um, you know, even uh, the classic story is like uh, Abraham and Isaac and the, the lamb that is you know found caught in the thicket that is the replacement for the sacrifice of Isaac. Um, you know, Jesus is our spotless lamb who is our sacrifice, um, who stands in our place. And, you know, we can, when we see those sorts of things in those stories, we can, we can find Jesus in there. Um, so that's you know, one of those things that I always kind of try to help people remember when you're reading scripture. And look, that's exactly Jesus what Jesus said. These things are written about me, and he's right. talking about the Old Testament. Right. Now, it doesn't mean every single verse is going to have a reference to Jesus, and every single story might not, not in a you know explicit Amplify. way, mm-hmm. do that. Sometimes there is just stuff in there that's uh, what informational uh, for the context of whatever's going on. But you know, when when we see when we can see Jesus in there, when we can find him, that that points us ahead to him in the New Testament. Yeah, very good. 
Anything else you would add there? Um, no, I think if we were to study, you know, want to study more, there's certainly there's books on principles of Bible interpretation. I mean, you could go through a list of things, but for the person who just wants to read the Bible, I think, yeah, read it, ask itself, what, what did it mean then? And I know we have various uh, different things, but basically, what, is, what, are you, what did it mean to them? See if you can discern that. And then what is God telling me out of this? And what can I do about that? Those would be good, I don't know, guidelines to follow along, I'd say. Right, yeah, yeah, great things, great ways to guide our, our reading of God's Word. So thanks, Pastor Rob. Well, once again, I'm sitting here with Pastor Rob and Adam, uh, ready to dig into the Sermon on the Mount a little more as we do a little, a uh, little more of the uh, commentaryless Bible study. Uh, not bringing our our tools or our resources with us, but just just talking about the Word in the same way that that you listening at home might be uh, opening up your Bible to do a Bible study. So you can uh, do that along with us this morning. We are we are starting at. Um, verse 43 of Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to cover a couple different sections of the Sermon on the Mount this morning. Um, Talk about loving our enemies and giving to the needy. So Adam, you want to read that first section for us there through through the end of chapter 5? Yes, I can. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that, though, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Bar's pretty low on that one, huh? Right. (laughs) Easy words of Jesus here. Just be perfect, right? That'll solve everything. Yeah. (laughs) So this is um, this is always a a interesting passage to to consider, and I know I've preached on this one a handful of times. I think we we get the 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 you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy that that just comes natural whether you've heard somebody say that or not like Jesus said um, we all just I think in, intuitively understand that we we like people who are like us um, and we we all have people that we don't like that we that we count as our enemy um, but. Man, when it comes to loving your enemies, and not just loving your enemies, but Jesus goes on to say to pray for those who persecute you. So that enemy, I guess in my mind, it can be kind of a passive role that somebody has. There there are those folks that just, um, we just don't like them. Not necessarily like our... our, uh, sworn enemy that has a vendetta or something against us, but just people that get on our nerves or that right. just, just irritate us or whatever that we just don't like. But that persecute you, like that's an active, like these are people who are coming after you. These are people who are actively against you. And I'm supposed to pray for those people. We could. Be, I think that you have heard it said, 
wasn't that a reference to Mosaic Law? But I and what I'm w wondering is, I think we could find the divorce one. I think we could find the oath one. Um, and you heard that it was said, "An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth." That's a famous uh, Mosaic Law. Uh, do you know? Was there an Old Testament reference? You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I don't recall a hating your enemy. I mean, love your neighbor is certainly in yes. the Old Testament. I, I'd have to consult a commentary on right. that one. Right? Yeah, <laughs> me, me too. I, I don't. I don't remember if that was, was that a cultural thing that had kind of come up. Um, is that was it? Culture that was saying mm -hmm. hate your enemy. I mean, our culture today certainly says that. Right. Yeah. And and is very much okay with hating your enemy. Well, I did like your point there about. This is Jesus is, is amping it up, not just people who you, you know see life differently than you and annoy mm -hmm. you. Uh, this is this is people who are coming after you, right? And I appreciate his comment in like verse forty six that you know if you love those who love you, what good is that? Everybody does that. Even even the the tax collectors do that. They like the people who love them. Um, if you only greet your brothers, what more are you, are you um, doing than others? Everybody does that. Who loves the tax collectors? <laughs> the other tax collectors. They probably the 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 people they're collecting tax for. They they love them. But and then he lands with that. You know, we love to quote certain words of Jesus a lot, and there there are those words that get turned into like the the wall art that people put on their walls and stuff. I don't see anybody putting "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect" on their refrigerators or in their living rooms, you know, on in fancy artwork. That's not words of Jesus that we like to quote very much. But all of what he's been saying so far, like that's that's what he's been leading toward. Mm -hmm. And again, Christ-centered. He's he is the perfect. Right now, we were uh, the old older translations would have said you must be holy as your father. Or is that how you would have remembered it quoted? Yeah. Um, and so, I, I, it might be kind of interesting to drill down a little bit on this perfect word. What what exactly is that referring referring to? Mm -hmm. um, and if it's what I'm thinking of, it's it's this word that means um, you're complete, the completeness of God's action in you. Um, you therefore must be complete in Christ as your heavenly Father mm -hmm. and is ho is holy or perfect. Yeah. And again, that won't come until we're out of this <laughs> sin encrusted world and sinful heart kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And again, leading us to the need for a Savior, but also to grow in him as well. Right. And certainly, you pray for the, pray for your enemies, even those who persecute you. I mean, you can't get away from the that of Jesus, even the people who nailed him to the cross and right. praying for them. Which is one of the things I love to, to bring up when I preach on this text, is we're the enemies. Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're the enemies that Jesus loved. Uh, Jesus, he he loved his enemy, and now we get to really try hard to love our enemy 
and that's going to be difficult and it's not going to come naturally to us. It's, it's going to be effort on our part to love our enemy, um, not just our neighbor. So how does Pastor Matthew deal with this? You got somebody who grinds your gears or even has worked actively against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastor Matthew deals with this not super well, you know? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. I don't have it figured out, if uh-huh. that's what you're asking. Right. Um, yeah, this is, this, it's, it's an ongoing thing of trying to figure out how do I love this person? Now, now thankfully, I, in my life, like, I don't, I don't have a lot of people that I can point to as, like, that person is a major thorn right. in my side. <laughs> well, we've all got some the of those anti-Matthew. People. Right, right. I don't have a... There, there isn't a Lex Luthor to to me being Superman, you know, um, out there. Not that I think I'm Superman, but um, I just re- realized as I was saying that, I was like, yeah, that, that's not what I meant. We, but, we get um, the yeah. point. Um, you know, I don't have I don't have those sorts of enemies that I think about, but um, maybe more often than I than I like to admit, there are those people that I get annoyed with or that I get upset with, and. Um, you know, in those times, gosh, you really have to like actively say to myself, "I have to love this person," mm-hmm. and prayerfully. I mean, yeah, God help yeah. me do the right thing here. I think even, sometimes the error, I'm sorry. well, even if my personal desire is nah, avoid it or or don't go there, and and I don't always do it good in the moment. A lot of times it's after the fact um, or or beforehand when I'm like, if I know I have a like a confrontation or something coming up with somebody, like I have to remind myself, Jesus is crazy about this person, and and I gotta look, I gotta look, and sometimes I gotta look look really hard through my own like lenses that I have towards towards these people around me. Um, to, to see, you know, what is it? Jesus loves them and he's crazy about them. What does he see that I don't see? And I got to, I got to really look for that sometimes. And I got to remind myself too, that love isn't a feeling. I don't have to feel a certain way towards these people. Like love is an, is an action. It's a verb. Um, and, and it's also a choice to love someone. It's not a, a feeling that comes first. And then I follow that in love towards somebody but I get to I get to love them regardless of how I feel about them. Well, shall we move on to the next section here? Uh, giving to the needy. You want to read that, Adam, through verse 4? Yes. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Kind of one of those, okay, I get the, the big point is pretty easy, but the littler, you know, the, the what do we actually do with this right. gets, gets a lot harder. There's, so Jesus is certainly talking about some humility in here. Correct. Right? So, and he's not saying don't do acts of righteousness. Right. Do them. Uh, you know, give to the needy. You don't need to draw attention to yourself. Just just do it subtly. Um, I don't know. How do you handle the, the right and left hand thing of, you know, don't let your right hand 
know what the left is doing or the, or the other way around as he says it. Um, how does that apply to us today? Like, what, what does that mean today? Does that mean the husband doesn't let the wife know when no. he's, when he's uh, <laughs> given to the needy or when he's doing something with money? Adam's shaking his head no. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I think that's it's, again, coming from that the right thing's the right thing because it's of God, and that's your motivation for doing it. That should be your reward for doing it in all. Um, not to get the other, what, the accolades that can go along with it, to make a, a gift that people say thank you for, you know, don't forget to say, you know, give give me the thanks for that. I think it's um, interesting that in in this short little section, three times Jesus mentions rewards. You know, at the beginning, if if you if you make a big deal about your giving, you're not going to get rewarded. Um, you if you uh, are praised by other people, then well, then you've got your reward. But if you do it in secret, then God will reward you. And we don't hear Jesus talk a whole lot about rewards. And even as Christians, and especially as Lutherans, like, ooh, that, that sort of makes us uncomfortable to even talk about, like, we shouldn't, there shouldn't be any sort of uh, what, benefit from the things that we do. I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's not what it's about. But he does promise there's reward, there's blessing. Blessed are you if you do these things. Jesus does say that. I know I, qu- I quoted once, there's a, a famous passage in a book that pastors would have, and it said, let it be clearly stated that God does reward in the afterlife and in the life, and on this present life, uh, those who do his will. And, you know, you just take it out of context, and you, everybody would say, well, that's works righteousness. Right. And yet it's totally biblical to say that. It doesn't get God's love, but he does reward it. He does, and the the idea of the reward is payback. He does pay it back in his way, right? right? And so this isn't, to, this isn't the, uh, you know, prosperity preacher. When you, when you sow your hundred dollar donation today, that's going to turn into, you know, thousands of dollars down the road. That's, that's not what this is talking about. These are these are heavenly rewards, you know. These are the 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 jewels in our crown in heaven. I think, as Revelation puts it, um, you know, this is kind of intangible. And it's it's my faith that just says, you know, God's going to make this work somehow. I don't know how He's going to do it, I, but I'm trusting Him to to bless that, to reward that, however He sees fit in His economy. However, he would like to do that. My eye caught the beware, beware of practicing that uh, you can fall into that trap. Right. Because what, what is that trap? What is that? What did, they what, owe what's me. the danger of the, Oh, sure. And then I get resentful when I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And the, the danger there is it just becomes about us. So, so I want, I want some praise. I want some glory out of doing these things when really we should do these good things because they're good things that need to be done, not because I get any anything specific from them. 
this has been a good good conversation on these two parts. We've got uh, another one for this season that we're going to be talking about as we continue on here. But um, glad that you could join us today for for doing a little time in the Word with no uh, no other commentaries other than what we bring with, from ourselves here. Thanks for listening to Everyday Disciples. Everyday Disciples is part of the online ministry of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids. We're striving to be followers of Jesus wherever we are, and we hope you'll join us on that journey. If you found this podcast helpful in your spiritual journey, we'd be honored if you would rate us and review us wherever you listen. It helps people find us and get the good news about Jesus out there to the world. If you've got questions or suggestions for things that you'd like to hear about on Everyday Disciples, let us know with an email to media at stmatthewgr.com.